This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We talked about two different themes last week and the week before, or different subjects. Um, We talked about how God wants us to pray the prayer, lead me, and we also talked about the prayer, search me. We started off with search me and how hard of a prayer that can be, but it is a bold, audacious prayer that when we pray, we can be guaranteed that God hears us. If you missed that, go go to a YouTube channel, a podcast, you can catch that. I strongly suggest that you go and catch up on the series, and today, we kind of come bring that series to a close, a mini-series to a close, and I want to speak this morning from the subject, forgive them, forgive them. Uh, a, very bo- a very audacious prayer, a very bold prayer, if you ask me, but like I've been saying and maintaining for the last few weeks, the more we can pray this prayer, the more God will hear this prayer. It's so important for our hearts to be aligned with God's will for our lives. We have to pray prayers that are aligned with the will of God and with the heart of God. And these three prayers are prayers that can transform your Christian life. They are prayers that can transform your thinking. They are prayers that can transform uh, your everyday uh, life and everything you do in the conversations you have with people, in the relationships that you have with people, in your relationship with God. How drastically things can change when you and I know how to pray. I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. You know, forgiveness is costly. It is a very, very costly thing. Towards the end of this message, you'll probably put some pieces together and you'll know what exactly I'm talking about. But it's not easy to ask for forgiveness. It's not easy to offer forgiveness Because there are people that have wronged us that will continue to wrong us in life. And there's one thing that the Christian has to learn is a part and parcel of your Christianity and your walk with Christ is that we have to get in a regular habit of knowing that we have to be people that forgive one another easily. It shouldn't be a hard thing. In Luke 23, where we begin our scripture reading for today, uh, I'll read two verses and then we'll go to our passage that we're going to study. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, the Bible says this, and Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, It's a base passage of scripture that we're considering uh, our message from or looking at our message from this morning. But we'll also go to a different study where we'll do an expository study. We'll break it verse by verse. But in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19, the the wisdom of Solomon is, is revealed to us when he says an offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the, are the barred gates of a citadel. You know, the Bible likens a person that has been offended to a city that has been fortified. There are a lot of us that we allow offense to build up when you and I get hurt. The more and more we sit an offense, you know how God created forgiveness to be? Forgiveness was created to be instantaneous. It wasn't a after a thought thing. It wasn't a let me sleep on it thing. The Bible is very clear when it says don't allow, you know, the night to set. Don't allow the sun to set on your anger. Don't allow the sun to set on your unforgiveness, the spirit of unforgiveness inside of you. Forgiveness has to come instantaneously. 
I know you're probably sitting there and saying, it's easy for you to say that, Pastor. I know it is, and I've struggled with that in my own life. I'm preaching to the choir here. But in, 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 in the biblical aspect, when, when we take a biblical approach to forgiveness, forgiveness is required of us in an instantaneous manner. We shouldn't, it's not something that you pray about. It's not something that you say, I need to fast about this for 21 days. I need to seek the face of God. No, there are some things that are in the will of God. And one of those things is forgive one another. Am I talking to somebody here? I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. But the Bible is likening that person that, that has been offended to a city that has been fortified. We build these walls around us. We want to protect ourselves. We want to protect our thoughts. We want to protect our families. We want to protect our hearts. We want to say, you know what, I've been hurt once, we don't, I don't want to hurt again. You, you build these tall, burly walls, and, and they are protected and guarded and almost impenetrable. And offense has this way of hardening hearts. Offense has this way of breeding, or, or it's a breeding ground for a pattern of unforgiveness in your life and in my life. You know, looking at the seven final words of Jesus on the cross... The first phrase that Jesus shares and on the cross in pain, he says, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is a quiet prayer. It is a prayer of pain, if you ask me. A prayer that stems and roots from, God, I've been, I've been, I've been betrayed. I've been stabbed in the back. Father, I'm, I'm human and I'm going through so much tremendous amount of pain right now. But the first thing that Jesus says in the middle of that pain, in the middle of the cross, even looking to death, are those words, Lord, forgive them. Amen. Well, this is the first week that we have people sitting in the front after we started. So uh, I'm glad you're wearing masks today. Uh, Shala, you want to probably give them some face shields as well. They're in the splash zone. Okay, so <laughs> Jeff pulled up his mask a little more. But man, we're, we're people that are easily offended. And Jesus had all the reason to be offended, Right? And yet, he stands over there, he, he, he stands in the, in the moment of his worst uh, pain, in a season of distrust maybe, in a season of God, of abandonment, of saying, God, you've, you've forsaken me, you've let go of my hand, God, I thought we were tight, I thought we were close. And in that moment, the first words that come out of his mouth is, Lord, forgive them. It's a prayer that if you and I know how to pray consistently, and a prayer that you and I know how to make a part and parcel of our Christian lives, it will benefit us greatly. You know, in talking about forgiveness, Jesus relates forgiveness to the Christian. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, the Bible says this, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You know, prayer is fundamental. Prayer is the core to the Christian life. And he says, man, don't even go and do the most important thing in your Christian life. Don't even talk to me. Don't even have a conversation with me. Let's not even entertain that idea if you haven't made amends with the person sitting next to you. Am I talking to somebody? Like, don't even start your family prayer if, if you haven't talked it out or talked it through with your wife or your husband. Don't, don't, don't put up a front. Like, if you haven't asked for forgiveness from your co-worker, like, don't lead that Bible study at work. Oh, brother, I'm doing some evangelism. But, but man, you're, you're bitter in your heart. Am I talking to somebody? 
Even family members, people in church, we're here lifting up our hands, jumping up and down, kneeling, crying, oh, the whole nine yards. We are Christian as Christian can be on a Sunday morning. But guess what? We don't talk to the other person in the lobby outside. I'm stepping on some toes this morning, aren't I? Somebody said, preach, pastor. Man, we have so many people praying and fasting. And, and, and worshiping and leading and interceding and waiting on God and preaching and teaching, like I said. And sometimes they come across, you know, come across somebody that crosses them. And man, that's it. They, they don't want anything to do with them anymore. It doesn't matter if you go to the same church, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. They're so bitter and they're so rot in their heart. And all while trying to pray and do things that pleases God. And God's like, I'm not pleased. You wonder why you're not getting closer to me. It's because I'm not hearing your prayer. He says, if you want me to answer prayers, if you want to have a conversation with me, come on, somebody. First, get it right with your neighbor. Get it right with your family member, with your wife, with your husband. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Let's go to this passage. This is where we're going to base our study off this morning. So Matthew chapter 18, we're going to study a story, that, a parable that Jesus shares with his disciples. So Peter comes up to him. In verse 21, and Peter says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? All right. So Peter's one of those people where he asks the question and he has the answer to, and he's like, Lord, I'll give you the answer, Lord. Seven times? Right? So he suggests the answer and he says, I was really not looking for an answer, Lord, but can you agree with me and say seven times? Say amen to me, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to say amen to that. He says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I'm going to talk about this, this morning, what I'm going to talk about is the pattern of forgiveness today. How do you and I as Christians and believers pray that God gives us the ability to forgive people around us? All right. Pattern number one is this. We have to understand that forgiveness keeps no record. To have a lifestyle of forgiveness, you and I as Christians need to understand that we shouldn't hold a logbook. We shouldn't have grudges that we hold on to. Peter is asking, Lord, how many times? He's saying, Jesus, he's suggesting the number. He's saying seven. Why seven? I, I have no idea why he's saying seven because if he has to use precedence, he can go back to Jewish tradition, which says you forgive somebody three times. That's what Jewish tradition says. Jesus is about to just abolish the law altogether. And he's saying, man, this is what he, so Peter, for good measure, he doubles it. He says, Lord, I know the Jewish tradition is six, but you're Jesus. So I'm pretty sure you're not jiving with the Jewish tradition. So maybe double it to six and then one for good measure, Lord. So seven God and God's like, no, Jesus is like, nope, that's what you think. That's what you think, and that's the number that comes to your mind. But he throws his number out and he says, 490. How did you land on that number, Jesus? Well, the phrase that, that, that Jesus uses over there is a hyperbole, right? You, you forgive until you lose count is what Jesus is trying to say. He's not saying you, you, you forgive 70 times seven. You don't, you don't forgive till you forgive till 490. You don't say one, two, three, four, five. You don't keep count. It's not a logbook saying, I forgave this person this time and this, 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 this. Lord, we're at number 49 right now. All right, 700 to go. No, we don't do that. 
It's a hyperbole. Now, basically what Jesus is saying is you forgive until you lose count. Like law keeps record. The law keeps count. The law keeps score. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to say, I'm, I'm going to agree with everything that you're saying. No, he came to, to say, you know what? I fulfilled the law. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse 5, the Bible says this, Christian love keeps no record of wrongs. Why does it say that? It says this, it does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's what Christian love is. In Christianity, in, in being a believer, you and I have to understand that the love that we show other people is not a conditional love. It's the love that Jesus showed, the unconditional agape love. The love that says, I love despite of who you are, not because of who you are. Not because of what you've done, not because you're good to me, not because you respect me, but despite of, of what you've done, in spite of what you said to me, in spite of how you treated me, in spite of how you, you should have done this, so you should, in spite of all of that, Jesus is saying, man, it keeps no record of wrongs, which he's basically saying, it keeps forgiving. It's a hard pill to swallow. I know you're sitting there and saying, Pastor Osher, it's easy for you to say that. So you know what the disciples look at them, look at Jesus and say, as soon as that's done, I haven't, you, we're not gonna read the passage, but the disciples look at them and say, well, Jesus, if that's what it takes, Lord, increase our faith. Because God knows we need a lot of faith to be able to forgive and forgive. How many of you agree with what the disciple says? Yeah, Lord, if, if that's, what, that, that's what is required of me, I need more faith, God. But can I tell you something? God has given you enough faith. When you were born again, when you were baptized, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, he gave you all the faith you ever need. You have it inside of you. It has to be just activated in saying, God, I have the ability. I have the resources. I have the power inside of me to forgive God. I just got to tap into it. And no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, I choose the in spite of, the despite of kind of love rather than the because of kind of love. That's the love that God is requiring you and I to hold on to. Keep forgiving. I know it requires a whole lot of faith, but tap into all the faith you got because you have all that is needed is what Jesus is saying. It keeps no record of wrongs. Going on to verse number 23, he says this, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with, his, with servants who had borrowed money from him. Okay, now point number two is this. Forgiveness starts at home. Forgiveness starts at home. If you're taking down notes, write this down. It says it starts at home. Verse 23, the Bible says, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is addressing his disciples here. He's addressing the church. He's addressing you and me in the pews. Not people that don't know Jesus. Not people out there in the street that have no relationship with Jesus. He's addressing the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who has decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants, right? Peter is asking the question too. The question that Peter asks is, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Not anybody out there. He's saying, my brother, Lord. This is talking about Christians forgiving one another. It's talking about Christian husbands forgiving Christian wives and Christian wives forgiving Christian husbands and Christian parents forgiving Christian kids and kids forgiving parents, so and so forth. It's important to start at home. 
We can start elsewhere. But we need to start with a family to influence the unbelieving world. Let the world that is the, un, the unbelieving world, let them see the ability that you and I have inside of us to forgive the people that we love and we, are, we ought to love. And the Bible says there's a certain king who wanted to settle uh, these, these accounts that have been building and have been accumulating over time. You know, back in the day, all citizens were subject to the king. Not one person could evade being subjected to the king. Everybody were, were servants of his. Everybody served him in some capacity or the other. But biblical scholars will tell you that the accounts that the, the Bible is talking about here, the king was settling, was very likely that of tax collectors. Every state and every, every, every province uh, had these tax collectors who would go around collecting taxes from different people. The IRS of that day. It wasn't a centralized uh, institution. It was individuals that were learned and that knew numbers that the king would pick and say, you are my representatives. And throughout the year, they would go around the cities, they would go around the towns, and they would collect taxes from people to bring back and pay to the kingdom. Now, sometimes they wouldn't have to bring it back immediately at the end of the day. It would just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And once a year, they would probably have to bring it back to make sure that they, 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 they hold, that the king holds them accountable and they give account of everything that they've collected. And many times they charged more. So if you owed $100 in taxes, he could basically say, hey, the, your taxes that you owe is $150. He could even say $200 based on how rich you were or how poor you were. He had the authority to charge how much ever he wanted. Now there was also an incentive involved that when he took this money, he only had to take the 100 back. But when he took the 100 back, he would probably get a cut from that too. He would get, let's just, say, let's just throw a number. It's not the exact number, but I'll say 10%. So he not only gets the, the money he's embezzled, but he also gets the 10% from, 10 from the king. Now this goes to tells me that this guy has not come back to settle his accounts and something has happened in the mix and he's probably misused the money, he's embezzled the money, he's flipped the money, he's probably gone and gambled the money away and he doesn't have the money with him is what the Bible says. In verse number 24, the Bible says this, in the process, one of his debtors was bought in who owed him 10,000 talents. Man, this is large numbers that we're dealing with. I don't want you to think about dollars right now. We're not talking about $10,000 over here. Now, just to give you perspective, there were the, these provinces in, in Israel back then, and these, the province of Edomia, the province of Judea, Samaria, all these provinces put together, these, these three itself, actually even, even, even Galilee, these four provinces put together, they would raise around 900 talents worth of taxes, okay? These were four provinces that would raise around 900 talents, and the Bible says this guy owed 10,000 talents to him. So I'm like, how many states, how many cities was this guy over? How many years of, 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 of a backlog does this guy have? Now again, once again, this word 10,000 10, is this, this, this hyperbole of sorts. And it's the word that is derived from the English word myriad or, or the Greek word murios, murios, which is from the English word myriad. So many or incalculable, it's, it's inconceivable. Or in modern day English, we would say a zillion dollars. Not like a zillion exists, but it's basically you can start counting and you will never end anywhere. It's a zillion dollars. He owed as much as, he, he probably didn't even know how much he owed. That's how much he owed, is what the Bible says. 
But in verse number 25, the Bible says he couldn't pay. He wasn't able to pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. It came to the point where he was commanded to be sold. That's what the Bible says. Back then, man, you don't play with the king. If you don't bring the money, it's, it's worse than the Italian mob. We're talking about Godfather on steroids. Am I talking to somebody? This, this was a kingdom. It was, it was, hey, it's my way or no way kind of a deal. It's, it's, hey, you better give me my money or it's, that's it. So he basically said, hey, I'm, I'm going to command you to be sold. And the Bible says the servant falls down before the king. He empties himself. He humbles himself. And he says, please be patient with me. For what? Paying back a zillion dollars. He says, be patient with me. I'll make sure I pay you back. How many of us make deals with God like that? How many of us go to God with our issues and say, Lord, you know what? Forgive me, Lord. Only if you do this, I will do this, Lord. Only if you get me out of this mess, God. If you get me out of this financial mess, God, I will tithe my income, God. Uh, let me tell you something, baby. If you haven't been tithing all this while, if you haven't been tithing all these years, you're not going to get tithing once you get the money from God. Am I talking to somebody? Once you get out of that financial mess, you're not going to be tithing. Lord, please, God, if, if, if you just get us out of this mess, God, we're going to come to church every Sunday. We're not going to miss a Sunday, God. I'm going to make sure I take my kids to... No, no, no. If, if, you've not, if you've been looking for reasons to stay at home, okay, and not attend church and blaming COVID for it, come on, somebody. You're like, Pastor, you're really stepping on some toes. I'm talking to people. Hey, if, you're, if you don't have a physical ailment... If you're not, you don't have a, you don't have an excuse, a genuine excuse to say, hey, pastor, I, I, I'm at home because my immune system is really bad and I'm staying and we have people like that. And, and that's why we have cameras and that's why we bring service and church to them. But if you are physically able and people that are watching me online, people that are going to watch me and restream that are sleeping right now, God bless you. Jesus loves you. All right. But, but whoever you are, Okay. Because you know I get that message at 7 p.m., Pastor. Great message. Great message. <laughs> I'm like, good morning to you too. Come to church. But he's basically saying, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll just do everything I can. True repentance. You know, this, this, this guy, is, I, I want to think that this is true Repentance. I want to think that he, he means what he's saying, right? And verse 27, the Bible says, and, and, and then his master was moved with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Two things I want to talk about this morning, all right? This is good stuff, all right? This is good, good stuff. Look at somebody and say, this is good stuff. Point number three, point number three, I have to let go. I have to let go. Here's the principle of forgiveness. You have to look. It's, it's a non-negotiable. You can't say, God, I want to forgive people. You can't say, Lord, forgive me, or Lord, forgive them without letting go. Letting go is a part of you praying, God, forgive them. God, I want to be released of this stress, this pain that I'm going through in my life. Can I debunk some popular beliefs this morning? Some popular Christian beliefs? Can you give me some permission this morning? Okay, here you go. Forgiveness contrary to popular belief does not mean that the person that forgives is weak. 
There's this, there's this popular Christian belief. Hey, if you forgive that person, you're weak. I'm telling you, that's carnal. That's worldly. That's what the world thinks. Hey, if you forgive that person, you're the weak one. You show them who you are. Right, Jamie? You know what I'm talking about. She gave me a thumbs up. I, I, I don't know what she's going through right now, but she was like, Pastor, preach. But contrary to that, the, you know, I, I want to I I debunk that. I want to say it merely shows that you have complete control of the situation. Remember, when you're living in unforgiveness, when you're, when you're dwelling in unforgiveness, when you let the sun set in your anger, you're allowing somebody else to control your life. You're allowing somebody else to control your emotions because you can't stop thinking of them. You can't stop thinking about the hurt that's been caused. You constantly rehash things over and over and over again. And the reason for that is you haven't let go. Someone say let go. See, forgiveness is taking back control of a situation that was previously not under you. Forgiveness is positioning yourself. It's positioning yourself above bigotry. Forgiveness is positioning yourself above ignorance. Come on, somebody. But forgiveness is looking at somebody and saying, you stood way too low, but I ain't going that way, that, 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 that low. I am way above that. I am one step above that. I am on God level. Come on, somebody. I'm, my, my thoughts are God's thoughts. And, and if he tells me to forgive, I will forgive. That's the people I'm talking to today. Forgiveness is positioning yourself for victory. You know, the Greek word for forgive over there, right? The Bible says, and, and he forgave him and he, he, he released him. The word release over there, can I, can I break this down for you? Is this word, it's going to come up on the screen, is this word afi, afi, emi. Afi, emi. Right, let me break this down for you. It literally means let loose. Come on, somebody. Something that you have on a chain, this fierce, ravenous dog that's like literally foaming in its mouth and you're holding on to it. Let it loose. Right, things that are clinging on to you. You're like this magnet that, 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 that attracts people that hurt you. Come on, somebody. How many of you attract people that hurt you? Some of us have this amazing tendency to always attract people because you put yourself in that place sometimes. And, and time and time again, we get hurt. We, we, get, we get to that point where we just hold on to people. Things come like cling on us. Th things stick on us. But the word afiemi is to forsake. It means to hurl away. When a bug comes and lands on your head, what do you do? You take a selfie with it? No, you don't, right? You swat it away. That's the first thing you do. There's some things that are naturally, that, that comes to you. Some of us hold on to stuff. They're like these, these atrocious bugs and people that just land around you. And you're like sitting in there and, and, and I'm wondering, man, what are you doing with those people around you? you have, you're not absolutely not faced. It's like those cows that are in pasture and the flies are all over them. And I'm like, dude, don't you see this? Like you're, you're, you're in the middle of all this fly infestation. They don't care because they're so used to it. Some of us are so used to it, man. Because these flies, they like to be where, where dirt is. My tongue, they, they love to be where dirt and dung is. And, and these cows are used to it because they're allow, around, around that all the time, every time. They're around that. Familiarity breeds contempt. For so many of us, we're so familiar. Life has become, the hurt has become so familiar 
The pain has become so familiar. The, the struggles have become so familiar. They're like, ah, it's fine. They're going to hurt me. Here you go. Go ahead and hurt me. Am I talking to somebody? This place is like awfully quiet. But it's about this idea of putting away, letting alone, disregarding, put off. It conveys this basic idea of an action which causes separation and refers to total detachment. Not I'm going to still save your number on my phone just in case I need to call you sometime. Not, hey, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to put it as something else. So you don't come to my, 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 no, 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 trust me. You're going to find the number. You're going to go and text that person. This place is quiet today, man. <laughs> Lord, reveal stuff to me right now. What it means is it means send forth or, or away from oneself. Who, and my question to so many of us today is who are you holding prisoner? So many, so many of you, man, they, they don't even know it. But they're prisoner in your heart. They're prisoner inside of your mind. Day after day, hour after hour, you can't stop thinking of them. They've moved on. They remarried. Come on, somebody. They, <laughs> you know, they... they they hurt you 10 years ago and they married their boo and they've had five kids. All right, they don't, they're not even thinking about you, but you're still thinking about that night that they broke your heart over text. I feel for you. I'm sorry, that shouldn't have happened. That, nobody should break up with somebody over, don't you dare do that, young people. But some of us need to say, you know what? Some things need total detachment. There are some relationships that you don't belong in. There are some people that you shouldn't be around, right? Come on, somebody. There are some people that for your own health, for your own physical, mental well-being, you got to say, happy fam, bye, see you later. You got to look at them and say, no more. I don't need you in my life. No, I'm, I'm not kidding, y'all. This is important. Verse 27. Then his master was moved with pity for him. So he released them and forgave his debt. So two parts. Part number one is he released him. All right? That's the word we just talked about. Detachment, total detachment. The second, second part is this. He forgave his debt. Fourth point, all right? I'm almost done. Fourth point. The cost of forgiveness is great. Remember that every single time you pray that prayer, Lord, forgive them. There is a cost that you don't know about that you have to bear. Okay, I, I want you to follow with me. This is, this is, this is going to gonna change the way you think. Okay, you all ready for this? Here's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is this. Forgiveness is the easy way out. That's the lie of the enemy, Jeff. For, for, the, here, here's the lie of the enemy. Forgiveness is cheap. That's the lie of the enemy. For, forgiveness isn't cheap. It costs great Somebody pays. Forgiveness involves the decision to incur personal loss. When you pray that prayer and says, God, forgive them, forgive him, forgive her, forgive those people, forgive all those people that did me wrong. You're basically saying, God, I'm about to take on this cost that I did not sign up for. But Christian forgiveness means taking on a cost to, to offer forgiveness to somebody else, to release yourself of all the pain that you're going through. I know it sounds very counter, you know, just, just this idea of, having to pay 
for somebody else's pain that they inflicted a this, this is weird, Ashish. How does that work? The king had made a decision that he wasn't going to get back what was owed to him. When the Bible says he forgave his debt, now think about that for a second. Like if you get a letter in the mail saying, all your student debt has been forgiven. Oh, y'all just woke up this morning. Hallelujah. I got to talk about student debt more often. The moment you get that letter, come on, somebody, you're not going to sit and pray over it and say, God, please, Lord, can you give me wisdom? Should I take this or not? Should I reject? Come here, praise Lord. You want to forgive my credit card debt too? You know, I mean, you, you, it's good news for you. You're not going to complain about it. He's been given a second chance at life. You know, it's Tim Keller that says this. He says, God's grace, while free to the recipient, was costly for the giver. Oh, hmm. We're talking about Christian forgiveness, just not, just not forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness rooted in your Christian beliefs. When you said, Jesus, come into my heart, you said, Lord, I'm going to forgive like you do, okay? And this is Jesus' prayer that he said, Lord, forgive them, for they have no idea what they're doing. See, no one that was seriously wronged can easily forgive the perpetrator. But when you do forgive, you absorb the loss and bear it yourself. That's what Jesus did. All forgiveness is, is costly, man. We, we are never more like Christ when we forgive those who sin against us. Saying, Lord, it hurts. I know I don't deserve this. I know I didn't do anything to deserve this. But Lord, like you did on the cross, you paid the price, God, for the forgiveness of, come on, somebody, this is good. This is the gospel message. And, and God says, man, because I did that, I want you to do that as well. This is radical. This is the foundation of authentic, legitimate Christianity. Some of us are sitting there and I'm like, uh, I'm not Jesus. That's why I'm human. God's never been the victim of theft or of anything he's owned. Do you know what I've been through in my life? God's never been the victim of betrayal in relationships. God's never been the victim of false imprisonment. God's never been the victim of injustice from coworkers. God's never been the victim of failed marriages. Like God's never been the victim of racism or prejudice. God's never been the victim of rejection from family and society. God's never been the victim of public humiliation and scorn. It's easy for you to say that, Ashish, but God's never been the victim of false accusations or a victim of murder. Have you read your Bible? Have you heard about this man called Jesus who came into this world to be scorned and deceived and be stabbed in the back? He was a victim of racism. He was a victim of, of a prejudice. He was a victim of public humiliation. He was a victim of betrayal. He was a victim of relationship. You know, that, that, that just went sour. He was a victim of injustice. He was the epitome of the person who could stand up and say, I was dead wrong. Jesus is the poster boy of what victim looks like. And if Jesus on the cross could say, Lord, forgive them for they have no, how dare you not forgive? How dare we as Christians look at somebody and say, we cannot forgive somebody. You know, Hebrews 4.15, the Bible says this. 
for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Present tense, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. That's all inclusive. That's all inclusive. It's not a, oh, but this or but that, or you went through something that Jesus didn't. It's saying, man, every aspect, Jesus went through what you're going through. You cannot pen one area or category in your life that you can exempt Jesus out of. He has seen it all. He has been through it all. And he said he came out of it. Somebody say came out of it. And God is raising a generation who can look at your circumstances and say, despite of my circumstances, I have the faith and I have the ability to come out of it. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Some of us have very hard pills to swallow in life. I am not discounting anybody's betrayal. I'm not discounting your loss or your suffering. Life on earth will always be filled with injustice. It'll be filled with wrongs. It'll be filled with things that you can't bear and burdens that you don't want to carry. But Matthew chapter 18 and verse 28 reminds us this. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. Come on, this, this, this boggles my mind because this is me. Now I'm, I'm preaching to me here. Because this is Ashish. And every single time I receive forgiveness and love and mercy, that's like when you receive a letter saying, hey, your, your loans have been forgiven. You go to somebody, text them and say, hey, don't forget to Venmo me $10 for my lunch that you owed me yesterday. Come on, somebody. You would think that this man who received mercy will show this mercy to other people, right? That's the normal Christian, you know, believer thing to do. But that's Ashish right there. He was disloyal to the merciful example of the king. He was like, Lord, I reserve mercy, so I might as well give mercy to somebody else. No, that's not the first thing that crosses his mind. It's not a Lord, you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, how dare I not offer this forgiveness to something? No, 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 that's not the first, that's Ashish. That's the selfish Ashish right there. That's me. The forgiven sinner has for, for forgotten how he was forgiven and can't forgive others. He finds this guy who owes him 100 denarii. <laughs> it was more realistic compared to the 10,000 talents, the zillion talents, pounding his fist, screaming at him saying, I deserve my money back. I deserve my reputation back. I deserve to be treated well. I deserve justice. I deserve my day in court. In any day, on any day, mercy triumphs justice. Any day. You will, nobody will ever see a day in court if you make sure that mercy will always trump justice. 
Verse 31, when some of the other servants saw this, they were upset, very upset is what they said. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The master's sad. And he says, man, I showed you mercy so you can be the reflection of who I am. That's the least you can do. Can you stand up to your feet with me, church? You know, once a month, we, as a church, we, we join together and we take Holy Communion. We, we celebrate the Lord's table. It's one of the two sacraments that we hold close to our hearts. The first being water baptism. Baptized in water, the believer's baptism. And the second one is Holy Communion. Two things that Jesus instructed us and said, do this, do this. I want you to do this. As you guys walked in, you probably received a cup that has a bread on top as well. I pray that as we approach the, the table today, as we approach this communion today, we remind ourselves of what Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 says. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That we will remind ourselves what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 7, that blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. That we will remind ourselves of James 2, 13, which says for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. You and I can boldly take this today and our body approach this today because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Hmm. The Bible says the master then, the king then turns him to the torture until he was paid all that was due. You know, there's not a lot of things that anger God, but I'll tell you what angers God. It angers God when you ask God to forgive you of your debts when you can't seem to wrap your mind about forgetting, forgiving your debtors. So what should I do, pastor? What should I do? Do three things, three things. Like I said earlier, learn to release. Learn to let go. Learn to say, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm done holding on to this. It hurts me to hold on to this. The second thing you do is ask for grace to forgive. It's not easy. Say, God, I need grace. I need strength. Like the disciples said, God, we need faith, God. If you're going through a struggle to forgive somebody that has wronged you, ask God for grace. Ask God for strength. The third thing you do is pray for those who hurt you. You know, it's impossible to hate somebody when you sincerely pray for them. I went through this in my life. I harbored hate for a long time because somebody did me wrong. And the passage of scripture that opened my mind was Job 42.10, where the Bible says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Are you struggling with peace? Pray for, your pe pray for the people that did you wrong. 
It's amazing what happens when you can sincerely pray for the good of those who did you wrong. God says, I will bless you, not how you expect it, but double the blessing. This is good. It's radical. You know, a lot of people have been struggling with unforgiveness for a long time. And you know what it is? It's probably because we've allowed those roots to grow deep. Like, think about it for a second. If, if your root is bitterness, imagine what your fruit is. Your fruit is going to be a direct replica of what your root is. It won't bear something opposite to that. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.